Hi there, I'm Lane, and you're listening to J.H.R. McGill Podcast, a student-led, student-run show that aims to teach you, our listeners, about human rights in the Montreal community and beyond. Thank you for listening, and follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts to learn more. Now, let's get to the show. So when I say don't look away, I don't mean consume black death like it's a meme on TikTok. I mean, look in the mirror, look at your family, look at the community you live in, look at your friend group, look at the wealthy white woman with the rescue dog in the goddamn park, okay? And don't look away because we know what the problem is. No one is unclear on what the problem is. So where is the justice? That was Shanika McClendon, the political director for Crooked Media. Hello everyone, on this episode of our End SARS Movement mini-series, we will be exploring the desensitization of the killing of black lives. We first take a look at exactly what this term, desensitization, means, how it is connected to the dehumanization as a whole of the black community, and then broaden our investigation into how this phenomenon is connected to social media. After this, we'll have a look at why this topic is problematic, and finally, how it can be connected to the current NSARS movement in Nigeria. Let's begin. What do I mean when I say the desensitization to the killing of black lives, or the brutalization of violence against black people? Well, in our society, we witness endless amounts of violence against the black community. We see videos, photos, news reports, and more of black death every single day. For example, I'm sure you'll recall over the summer, the video of the late George Floyd circulating the internet rapidly over and over. These videos showcase horrendous violence, and it's not normal that our society seems so okay with sharing them with all our friends and family. We have seen so much of this violence against the black community that we have begun to almost expect it. We no longer flinch at the images of violence that once made us turn away. If you opened Instagram this morning and saw a video of a white person dying, you would be absolutely shell-shocked, and this would warrant a far different reaction than if that person was black. To help investigate this topic further, I spoke to a U3 student here at McGill. They are a major in international development and a minor in political science. Here's what they had to say. Do you think that there's any negative role that social media can have? And have you seen that with the Black Lives Matter or the NSARS movements? Yeah, especially, um, I would say the first instance for me, especially from last last summer's events and specifically the George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery um, situations was just this sort of like, like it was making I feel like it was making our yeah, violence towards black bodies and black people really just familiar and it just became even for me like it it, it got to a point where like I would say because I know some of the questions was re- with regard as you said to desensitization so it just got to a point where I was just like as it, as it would happen more and more often as situations like that would occur more and more often it's like to me it was just like oh another one you know and I'm pretty sure that was the case for a lot of people. Like we're just becoming desensitized. And it's like these issues are actually really, you know, it's really bad. Like it's really horrible situations that, that we're witnessing. But it's like the more we see it, the more easily accessible these things are, especially through social media. Um, the news, I guess, is a bit better because most of the times it will blur out 
where they will filter some of those images. But, you know, on social media, like it's really out there for anyone to see and have access to. So I feel like at the same time, it maybe just makes the situation a little bit too familiar to people. Sort of like how, for example, okay, if we hear of like a bombing or whatnot, in let's say, for example, Iraq or in the Middle East, it's like, okay, yeah, that's it's expected, you know. Uh, whereas if this was to occur like in Paris or United States, it's a bit more of like a of an odd phenomenon. And so I feel like in the same sense, like it was just becoming something as, you know, just regular, you know, and I feel like it just removes from the importance of the cause that we're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's kind of how like a, a drawback or a negative effect of social media regarding the situation. This goes well beyond social media. From a young age, we are shown images of lynchings, slave deaths, and related violence day in and day out of school. This sets the precedent. It normalizes violence against black lives and begins this desensitization and dehumanization from a very young age. We are told that this kind of violence accompanies black lives whilst it does not accompany white. We become desensitized to the pain and suffering before us. This is a problem. The desensitization of violence against the black community has the ultimate impact of dehumanizing black lives. By the killing of black lives being so carelessly and amply thrown around social media and society, it begins to set a precedent that black lives deserve less respect in death than white, that they are less human. As Shaniqua McClendon put it, Awareness isn't the point. We don't share white death like this, okay? When Steve Irwin died, we didn't share the video of the stingray millions of times online to raise awareness. You know, they take down videos of ISIS beheading white men on YouTube. How many white men have you watched die in HD video? Can you name five? Because I bet you can't name 10. Now, it is crucial to understand the role that social media plays in this dehumanization. Initially, social media was a fantastic way to bring social issues such as police brutality to the forefront of society's mind. It's far harder to ignore the violence outside your window when you see it on your phone. Yet, it has now evolved into a sickly platform wrought with performative activism and video after video of violence. It allows for the desensitization and dehumanization phenomenon that I've been speaking on. Accounts share images and videos of violence against black people in the attempt to raise awareness, but as Shaniqua McClendon claimed, this is not the solution. White people are not thinking about the trauma that this could cause to the black community. They simply share the image under the assumption it's helping in some way, or just because everyone else seems to be doing it. This isn't allyship, it's just being a sheep, acting mindlessly, doing what everyone else is doing, and not actually educating yourself on the issue at hand, and then actively working towards a solution. This brings us round to the question of performative activism and its own deadly hand in the desensitization to the death of the black community. Performative activism is the act of playing the part of activist simply to accrue your own social capital and soothe your own white guilt. Not because you actually care about the issue at hand, but rather that you desperately need those on your Instagram feed to consider you an ally. It's posting a black square and believing you've done all that you can do or even more, that you've done all that is required of you. It's the idea that Black Lives Matter and NSARS are moments rather than movements. Performative activism diverts desperately needed attention away from the social justice issues at hand in order to coddle white fragility. So, now that we have explored the phenomenon of desensitization to violence against the black community and the integral role that social media plays in this, 
let's think about the impact that this has against the black community as well as the broader Black Lives Matter movement. The mental toll of having to log on to the internet and every day see more and more people of your community dead and endless violence against them is astounding. No one should have to be privy to this kind of violence. On top of this, to see those around you rapidly sharing these images and videos as if it's some kind of trend is disgusting. This trend of desensitization harms the broader Black Lives Matter and NSARS movements as it draws away from the actual problem and the movement at hand. People become so focused on the violence, so focused on the new trendy image to post in their story, that they forget that there's a real movement behind this that needs the help and attention. Moreover, desensitization diminishes the real people behind the movement. They too become just images on your screen, dehumanized 2D versions of themselves. Furthermore, the normalization of violence reduces the meaning behind the death of people from the black community. Let's hear what my interviewee had to say about the adverse impacts that social media and desensitization have on the very movements that they're attempting to help. Uh, my next question is, how can we as students actively involved in social media attempt to counteract all these negative impacts that we've seen? Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, talk about the issue, the core of the issue. And I think it's possible to do that without you know, associating the issue with such blatant images of violence. Um, again, I don't think I don't think we have to just because I feel like associating it with those images is, is is in a way us trying to justify the importance of the of the issue at hand, which I think it's it's is possible to do without including such violent images. And so I think what we should try to focus on is just to um, promote the narrative and to promote the cause that we are fighting for be it um, police brutality, racism or whatnot, without it being associated with such images and you know, showing people in other ways um, how whatever cause we're fighting for or why whatever cause we're fighting for is pertinent and you know, uh, requires um, attention from, from people. Society is starting to require words like genocide or massacre or horrifically graphic videos to be attached to death for it to care. This makes it far more difficult for movements to get off the ground as they need to fight for the public's attention. Finally, let's look at how Tobit can be expanded to the NSARS movement. Rapid sharing of videos and photos of SARS-related violence emphasizes the idea of desensitization to violence against the black community. Society's response to the SARS protests in comparison to the Black Lives Matters protests showcases a gap in the standards between the West and Africa that is important to analyze. We hold the US to one standard and Africa to a completely opposite one. People called for the impeachment of the president of Nigeria but the same energy was not seen for Black Lives Matter, nor for the previous protests over the ICE detention centres. Why is Africa viewed as a place where violent protests erupt and presidents are overturned, but the US is not? All in all, the current desensitization to the death of Black Lives is a serious issue that is harming the community as we speak. 
The black community is rapidly becoming more dehumanized with every graphic video that is shared and acts of ill-carried-out allyship. Social media is playing a crucial role in this phenomenon, particularly with its tendency to promote performative allyship. It exacerbates the removal of ourselves the issue at hand and furthers the dehumanization of black lives and marginalized communities. We must be aware of the huge gap in standards that we as a society hold for the United States versus Africa. We must acknowledge that our crusade for awareness is harming the very communities we are attempting to help, be it the black community in America or in Nigeria. We need to break down this desensitization, remind ourselves of the humanity behind the videos, and continue in our fight for equality. Finally, we need to ask ourselves. You know, ask yourself why you're even comfortable looking at a video of someone being murdered. Then ask why you'd share it with everyone you know. If it was a dog, you wouldn't. So what's the reasoning? For what reason should we share footage of a person being murdered? This series was entirely recorded, edited, and written by students, members of the J.H.R. McGill family. Special thanks to Annie, Carly, Sokoma, and Zoe for their really hard work on this episode. To stay updated on J.H.R. McGill Podcasts, follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Or you can like us on Facebook. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.